can't say I've uh, ever gotten on the stage with tears in my eyes. Corey, it is always a pleasure. We got to, I remember we went to uh, Israel, uh, this, if, if we're cutting a sermon, like my intro's not yet, so we were in Israel and we, we got to enjoy like a, f- a few days and then like we got to have our first worship experience together and here it is, we're singing about what Jesus has done for us. Uh, it's the very first song, opening lines, like we were just blubbering messes. We were just like, this is so awesome. Like we're just crying, everything's coming down, like snot's everywhere. This is so good, Jesus is so good. You know, we're just singing and it's just beautiful when we get to come together and do that. Uh, I'm always grateful. Kind of reminded me, uh, uh, before Reese came back, kind of reminded me of like looking up here. I'm like, dude, is it like 2015, 2016? Uh, but y'all look older, and you still don't have gray hair, so whatever. Anyway, um, one other thing before we kind of get started with the sermon today, just some housekeeping notes. Uh, next week, and in, in, uh, RJ is going to share this in a little bit in the announcements, but next week we're going to go back to one service just for a little bit because we're growing. We're having some growing pains, and it's beautiful, and I love it. Uh, so we're going to start knowing that parking might be an issue. We're going to start, like, shuttling people from the parking garage on Sundays, uh, to hear, we're going to do that at 10 and 10, 10. Everybody say 10, 10, 10, Ren 10, 10. He was a cop. Did you know that? He was a canine cop. Anyway, that was an 80s joke. You'll get it next, next year. Uh, so now that that's over, just wanted to, to remind you of that. Really excited. Imagine growing pains. Imagine growing pains. Just, just for a moment, I want to talk about growing pains. Like no one ever says, hey, I love growing, like I love pain. I mean, like, they do, like, but they're weirdos. But, like, no one ever says, hey, I love pain. Because no one does. Like, 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 clearly, I look like a guy who enjoys the growing pains of eating out of a potato chip bag. Like, no one else really loves to grow too much. And, um, like, even my daughter, sometimes it keeps her up at night. Sometimes it keeps, maybe you've had kids or grandkids, and it keeps them up or it wakes them up. And so I, I, I did a little, I did a little looking. And, I, and, I, and whenever I do research, I always start with Google. Because they know everything, and also, they're watching us. Anyway, I'm sure later, like, I'm going to get an advertisement from Google that says, uh, hey, do you want listening devices? So, thanks, Google, for listening. I looked up, quote, common growing pain, and I would love for you to look that up later on the internet, on Google, common growing pain. And uh, when I looked it up, it said, like, it's super-duper common. 200,000-plus people experience that every year. They said it's really, really common for growing pains. They said the most common ages are the ages of 6 to 18, and it's usually like your, your, your thighs, your calves, your knees. That's usually what you, what, you, what you have pain in when you're growing. But it also said, I, wanted, I thought this was fascinating, that 3 to 5-year-olds, so I've got, I've got a girl, she's, she's 10, and it says 3 to 5-year-olds, I have a 4-year-old. No, he's, he's 5. He's 4. Okay, there we go. He's told so many people, I'm 5. I'm six. I'm seven. Like, I have no clue how old he is anymore. He was born in 2015. Uh, but then it says 19 to 40-year-olds. I'm excited because that means, like, I'm still growing. And I'm still experiencing pain. But, um, but then Google lies to you. Because if you look it up on that website, it says there's no evidence that growing pains exist. And I thought, that's a lie. Ask a pregnant lady. Well, don't ask a pregnant lady. Like, they would, they would hurt you. Like, ask a, ask a business startup. 
Like if they're, if they're someone that's trying to start a business, ask them like, hey, is growing pains, does that hurt right now? Like you could ask like a family that is growing, like when they get a new kid or a new baby or a new whatever. Like these are lies. Or maybe there's some of us that we, we haven't gone to the next level in our faith yet. And, and so here it is, like we're, maybe we're, we're entry-level Christians. Like we've trusted Jesus and we've said yes to him because we understand about his reckless love that we just sang about. But then that's it. And we haven't gone anywhere. And you're like, I, I can't make it to the next level because every time I try to go to the next level, it hurts. And I bet a lot of you know people that are just like that. I bet a lot of you are like, hey, I know people that have never made it to the next level. And maybe that's you yourself. And you're like, James, it's too hard because like when I start to, to move towards Jesus closer, it hurts. And it's often why we don't grow as much as we'd like because growth is painful, it's stretching. In order to grow, though, in order to grow properly, and we're going to talk about this today, you you need strength and you need encouragement. The question is, how do you get it? You're not alone. In the Bible, I want you to flip with me to Romans. In the Bible, there was a guy named Paul. So if you've been around the Bible, if you've trekked around church stuff for long enough, then you know about this guy named Paul. Some of you are like, James, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with Paul. I don't really understand kind of who, who he is. He, he had a storied past, and then all of a sudden, Jesus got a hold of him by himself on a road, and, and he started to follow Jesus ever since then. And Paul went around, and he, and he started churches, and he just loved on people, and he encouraged people, and he started churches, and he exhorted people. And then we get to Romans, which is probably one of the most fascinating or most theologically rich books, uh, letters in the entire New Testament. Arguably, like there are some theologians and pastors that are out there that they've spent their whole lives, their whole careers digging and mining into the book of Romans. Great people like John Piper, who spent years and years and years just rolling through Romans to see what all we could find. Paul was growing, the global church was growing, the Roman church was growing. But guess what? Paul had nothing to do with its initial growth. And so here it is, like I'm looking at this book, I'm looking at Romans, and I realize that all these years, I thought this was another church that he had been to and that he had helped start and that he had poured a lot into because it's so robust, there's so much in it, but this is a church that had already been started by someone else. And so Paul comes around and he's like, I want to help you. Romans 1 reveals how we grow with both encouragement and with strength. We're going to read a few verses, Romans 1, verses 10 through 12, and then we're going to key in on verses 11 and 12 for, for the remainder of our time. So just kind of a heads up there. Let's go ahead and read, uh, and I'll have it on the screen for you. Always asking, by the way, if you look at Romans chapter 1, verses uh Verses 8 through 15, it's really one sentence in the Greek. It's like one sentence, one long sentence in the Greek. And so when, he, when he's going through this, like, that's why we kind of start in the middle here. Paul says, Always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 12 that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
I first learned this verse in 2000. In the year 2000, which, you know, Y2K didn't, didn't, didn't get rid of us. The computers didn't rise and the Terminators didn't come after us. Thank you. <laughs> but that's when I started to follow the Lord. Like, I trusted Christ at a young age, and some of you in here, like, James, I trusted Jesus when I was, like, six, seven, eight years old. For those of you that were four and you still remember it, like, kudos to you. We should talk later. But, like, I, I trusted Jesus at a young age, but I didn't follow him wholeheartedly until I was, until, until 2000, in the year of 2000. And that's when, like, I started, like, I, like someone gave me a, a New Living Translation. Uh, it was a 2000 edition. They had just come out with it. And it was a pocket Bible, so it like fit in my back pocket. And so when I went to work, I worked at Chick-fil-A, which is another reason why I love Chick-fil-A, because they have great work ethic and they have fantastic food, and I was a pro. Y'all don't know this. In my other career, I worked at Chick-fil-A before I did church work. I worked there a long time learning everything in three months, and then I left. But anyway, but like so on my breaks, I would, I would break out my Bible, and like I just pour through it and pour through it and pour through it. And like I got to Romans chapter 1, verse 12, and it's... It's arguably my life verse, and I realized I've never preached on it before. In all these years, I've never preached on it. And I couldn't find, like, the way I remembered it, I couldn't find. I'm like, I know I memorized this, but I couldn't find it. So I emailed the publishers. I said, hey, guys, like, by the way, if you don't know this about me, I call or email people that, like, that normally you want to because someone wrote a book or someone made a video. Someone, I have no boundaries, and so I email or call anyone I want to. Um, James, you haven't called me yet. I love you in the Lord. I don't have your number, probably, or your name. Just kidding. So anyway, they sent me a picture back. I said, I remember it's, let me encourage you in your faith as you encourage me in mine, and I started, or words similar to that. And so they emailed it back to me, and I want to show you a picture, because uh, I, c- I couldn't find online Romans chapter 1, verse 12 from the New Living Translation of 2000. But it says, I'm eager to encourage you in your faith. Like, I just love the way it's worded. And I, normally I preach out of this Christian Standard Bible because it's the Christian Standard Bible. But in verse 12 here in the New Living, which is, it's, it's a little bit younger of a, of a reading level, I will also, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. The weight of that verse just hits me so much. I love it. You play a role in other people's faith. Like, do you know that? Like, you play a role in other people's faith. Like, ultimately, their faith is up to them, but, like, you play a role in everyone else's faith, like, that you come into contact with. You play a role in that. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's your coworkers, like, you play a role in their faith. And Paul had an impact on many people who helped influence Rome. I want you to flip to the end of Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 22, there was a guy named Tertius. He says, I, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, which we all know that this is a letter that's attributed to Paul, so this is a guy that took Paul's dictation, word for word for word. He says, I treat you in the Lord. There was another guy that he he talks about named Gaius in verse 23. This is a a perfect guy. This is a Gaius that, that hosted Paul. Gaius, who was host to me, Paul says, and to the whole church, he greets you. There's this lady named Phoebe, not the one from the TV show, uh, but she's another friend. Verses 1 and 2, I commend to you, Paul says, our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in St. Trey, so you should welcome her in the Lord. 
like Paul saying, hey, there's all these people that I've helped influence, and like they're going to have some, some part of your story, Rome, and I just want you to know them. I want you to know who they are. You can write this down. Your journey with others in Jesus helps others for Jesus. Your journey with others in Jesus helps others for Jesus. Like as you are journeying in life, and so like if maybe this is part of the problem like with, with us thinking that, that Christianity is only about my relationship with Christ. You know, like when we think like I can just stay on one level of Christianity, I can just stay like on entry level. When you journey with Jesus, it can help others for Jesus. And like when we can finally like get that and sink that into our hearts, like we're like, oh, okay, so there's something I can do with this. There's something, there's more to this. Reminds me of my friend Zach Cooper. Some of you know Zach, he's a pastor. He'll be preaching shortly at Old Old Spanish Trail in in just a few moments. And Zach Cooper and Corey and I, we walked, we, we journeyed together for a while. Corey and I journeyed together for almost a decade. I mean, technically now still a decade. Anyway, we're old. Reese Gill, now he's, in a, he's an associate pastor in another place. Countless others. And when I think about the influence of our journey of faith together, like Corey and I, we've been across the world together. And some of you, like, we've been across the world together. But then I think about others, and it's like they've impacted and influenced so many other people in their lives and in their journeys. There was a person that I came into contact with maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And like now she's on staff with us and she's sitting in the back there. Yeah, and like it's, it's interesting, the people that you come into contact with on your journey with Jesus, that you influence their journey with Jesus as well. One of our students right now, one of our college students, his name is uh, Stephen, Stephen Gill, and I'll just go ahead and put his name there in the notes. He's right now leading a junior high group in Hernando, Mississippi. And what's, what's, what's surprising about that is like when I was in the student ministry, I had two youth pastors that I remember. Number one, uh, for about six months, there was a guy named Russell Moore, who's now president of our Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the Southern Baptist Convention. But then like for about two years, two and a half years, maybe three, like I had a, I had a youth ministry, and his name's Kevin Ernest. And he's a children's pastor now at this church in Hernando. And wouldn't you know that Stephen Gill is leading a small group with Kevin Ernest's son. Your journey of faith in Jesus helps others for Jesus, always. We, we can't lose sight of that because that means that Christianity no longer is just about you. It's about all the other people that you impact and influence. And you don't realize the person that you impact sitting next to you today is going to impact someone else down the road further on and they're going to impact so many other people. You help others, another way of saying it, and you can write this down, you help others for Jesus by being with them in Jesus. The catch is, you must love Christ. Like encouragement only comes from Christ. Proper encouragement that like really fuels you and strengthens you only comes from Jesus. He's our source. And I love how RJ put it earlier in his prayer. Like that's what Jesus did. That's the gospel. That here it is, like the world ought to be perfect, our health ought to be perfect, our finances, hello IRS, talking to you, ought to be perfect. By the way, Google's going to email me later about the IRS, I'm sure. Everything ought to be perfect and wonderful and great because that's the way God intended it, but then all of a sudden sin entered the world. Because sin entered the world through one man, death came through him and through all of us now. And so now 
all of a sudden we are born sinful. We are born sinners. Like we're born with a bent towards ourselves and pleasing ourselves. And yet, yet Jesus saw that from his throne in heaven. So here it is. There's this God of the universe who wants us to be holy and wants us to be holy to be able to approach him because he, he himself is holy and perfect. And yet we can't on our own because we're sinful and we're looking towards our own interests. But thank the Lord Jesus that he saw our plight, came down to this planet, he stepped into our, our story, and then he lived a perfect, sinless life, tempted and tried in every way that we are. And then he went to the cross for us and he nailed every sin, past, present, and future there on the cross, taking God's wrath. And then as we were singing that song, Living Hope, then like his body began to breathe there in the tomb. And Corey and I got to go to two places that they believed was the tomb of Jesus. And there like his body began to breathe and he defeated death forever. So the Bible tells us that when we trust Jesus, we're saved. And we're clothed no longer in our filthiness, but now we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus himself. That is the gospel. We must be in Christ in order for any of this to work. So, hey, for these next few minutes, I want to tell you how to grow. Like, if you can catch one idea this morning, like just one big idea, it's this. Because of Christ, when we encourage each other, we strengthen each other. Because of Christ, and it's there on the screen, because of Christ, when we what? Then we strengthen each other. Because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. It's, it works in tandem. And let's look at this. In verses 11 and 12. 11 and 12, they, there's two words, and there's one in verse 11, and there's one in verse 12. Like when you look at the Greek, it's got the same ending, it's the same type of word. It's the same classification. And it's beautiful. So I've highlighted one of them for you there in verse 11. It's the word strengthen. Did you know that these two verses, I was reading about that. I was doing a lot of research this weekend, uh, this last week and then this weekend about it. These two verses are the most underrated verses, I believe, probably in the entire Bible. And at least, at the very least, they're the most underrated verses in the entire book of Romans. Think about all of the great verses in, the, in Romans. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of life to, to me, right? Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is what? We get Romans chapter 5.1 that tells us that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We get Romans 6.23 that says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mixed those two up, by the way. I'll flip that next time. We get 8.28 where it says that God works out everything for the good of those who love him, right? We get Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 10, and 13. And, and verse 13, you know, essentially says that, that for all who call in the name of the Lord, they'll, they'll be saved. We get Romans ch chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And verse, verse 2 says, you know, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. For this is a spiritual act of worship. Like we see all these verses and like there's tons and tons and tons of verses in Romans. And maybe you've memorized several of them yourself over the years. But verses 11 and 12 here in chapter 1, they set up Paul's themes for the rest of Romans. Like they're the key to interpreting everything else in the book of Romans. And if you, under, if you see and you catch Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and verse 12, and if you understand the idea behind it, that because of Christ, when we encourage each other, we strengthen each other. Like it sets up his themes of peace. 
and love and reconciliation that, that, that God himself wants us to be reconciled or wants us to mend fences. Like he wants us to be back together with him. It sets up every other verse that Paul would ever write to these people. Back in verse 11, says that I want very much to see you or I long to see you. Like there's a purpose in seeing you. You can write this down. There should always be a purpose in togetherness. There should always be a purpose in togetherness when, you, when you're hanging out together. Like I was, I was with a friend recently and, and my wife and I were talking about it this morning. And she's like, hey, look, that's great, man. Like the two of you, when you were hanging out, you were working. I'm like, you know, I didn't even consider that word. But yeah, we were. We were working on the future and building things. Like when you're together with people, even if you're sitting with them. And I got, I got the opportunity to sit with my friend Reese uh, just on Friday. When you're together with someone and you're, and you're, there should always be a purpose of togetherness and, and it comes where we encourage and strengthen one another. Let's go on and look at, um, at verse 12. We'll spend the last few moments here in verse 12. I want to tell you that Christian friendship or Christian community is vital to your growth. Like, if you don't have a good Christian friend, if you don't have a good Christian community, like, that's vital to you growing and taking that next step. So if you're, like, on the base level, or if you're on level two, or if you're, like, whatever you are, like, if you're, like, James, I'm not quite close to, I could be closer to Jesus, then you need to get some more Christian friends or a Christian community to hang out with. We have small groups on Sunday mornings that meet where we grow together. I'd love to plug you in in just a little bit. Like, we'll start that at 1030 this morning. I'd love to plug you into those. Maybe it's a, a group that meets in a home. Maybe it's just a friend that you need. Mary's prayed for years before. I remember there was a time period where she was praying for years. And then finally God started dropping like some really deep, beautiful togetherness friendships into her life. And some of you may be in that boat now. I want you to try something before we look at verse 12. I want you to write down one good Christian friend that you have. Write it down, put it in your phone, like take a note of it, put it in your calendar, say, you know, my friend is Bobby, whoever Bobby is. He sounds cool. Probably plays with G.I. Joe's. But like write them down, put them in there. Maybe you're like, James, I don't have a good Christian friend. If you can't think of one that you talk to, that you see, that you hang out with, that you communicate with regularly, if you can't think of one, I want you to pray. That, that'll be your homework assignment. I want you to pray, Lord, please, like, help me figure out how to develop this. God, help me figure out, like, I, I, I want this. This is the person I want. I want to develop this. Or maybe, like, James, I do have one. Then I want you to pray, like, Lord, how can I encourage this person today? How can I work through this today? How can I help th- make this a beneficial thing now today? How can I encourage him or her? Verse 12, here's Paul, the apostle, he, he, he writes, he, that he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He's writing to the most Gentile city in the world, the church that is in the most Gentile city in the world, the biggest city in the entire world at this time, and he's writing to them, and he could see them as a project. Well, I didn't start you, but I'm going to help finish you. No, I'm, like, I'm going to help encourage and He could see them as a work. But instead, he says, he sees the mutual benefit of togetherness in Christ, where he says, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. 
Like the Greek word for that means like the, to be encouraged at the same time. Like when we get together, it's not just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you and then you help me. It's saying like when we get together, like we help each other out at the same time. We're encouraging each other at the same time. And because of Christ, when we encourage each other, we're strengthening each other at the same time. We'll get it next time. And it's beautiful. We need to flip back to the end of Romans chapter 16, verse 16. Some of you have memorized this one, and you know who you are. Because in Romans 16, verse 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we're not going to talk about that. That's another sermon for another day. Valentine's Day is gone. But I want to look at that last little phrase, all the churches of Christ send you greetings. Now, a lot of people gloss over that. A lot of people don't think that that's a big deal. But here is Paul. I can't even imagine, like, here's Paul, like, he's on another continent. He's about to go to another, like, he's, he's on one side of the, like, he's, he is several days away from Rome, where he is now in Corinth when he's writing this letter. So here it is, like, here's Paul, he's like, I'm writing to you, and all the churches send you greetings. I can't imagine, like, like how far away, like, he would have to go from one country to another. Or maybe for, for some of you, like from one part of the city to another part of the city. Or maybe for some of you, from one side of your state to another. But there is a purpose behind it. And it's this. Encouraging others is worth moving away from our comforts. Here's Paul with a group of people that he enjoys, likes, he's been with. He's written three letters to. Like he's, he's friends with them there in Corinth. Here's Paul writing to them or writing from them to Rome. He's like, hey, I don't know any of you. Heard about a couple of you. I know Prisca and Aquila. Like, I don't know how I'm going to fit in there, but I'm going to move away from the things that make me comfortable to the things that don't, because I know that there's a purpose, and some purposes to mutually encourage you and strengthen you. Because of Christ, when we encourage each other, we strengthen each other. And there was a purpose in that. We need to move away from our comforts because encouraging others is worth it. My question for you this morning as we close is how do you need to, number one, how do you need to encourage someone in Christ today? Because we are all called to encourage each other and to strengthen each other. So how are you called today? How will you encourage someone today? For some of you, it's going to be easy. It's, hey, it's going to be a text message. It's someone I have been, you know, messaging lately. So for some of you, it's going to be a phone call. For some of you, it's going to be prayer. For some of you, it's like, hey, I need to go buy them lunch, or I need to go, I need to go send them flowers. I need to go do, I need to mend some fences. Like, how are you going to encourage someone today? Second question, and this isn't going to be on the screen. Some of you in here this morning have not trusted Jesus. May I encourage you today to trust Christ? Because you're not ever going to move to a next level. You're not ever going to live the life that God intended you to live, a life to the full. You're not ever going to do any of that without Jesus. Jesus is the key to living. Jesus is the key to having a full life. He's the key to like when you go to bed at night, no matter what happened that day or no matter what kind of turmoil is going on, Jesus in your life is the one that gives you peace to where when you put your head on the pillow, you can sleep soundly. 
That's what separates those of us from those who haven't trusted Christ. When they go to sleep at night and they have a hole in their soul that is weighing them down so much that they toss in the turn and they have to fill their lives and their minds with something else to get them to sleep. And some of you, that might be you today. You're like, dude, I've never trusted Jesus. I've never said I want to place my faith in you. I want to encourage you to do that today. What are we going to build our lives on? What are we going to do to encourage and strengthen others today? Let's pray.